Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Course of the English Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, here today with a very special guest, uh, Tiago Sassetti, uh, who is creator of Both Pura Heads, um, a very well-recognized football blog that details Benfica as well as international football. Super excited to have you on, Tiago. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you, Zach. <laughs> You're very nice uh, about the well-recognized blog. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting to be here. Thank you very much. As everybody who listens to the Quarter English podcast will know, uh, we do not just discuss Benfica, Porto, and Sporting, but really all things concerning the Primera Liga. Um, so after a real jam-packed week that saw a lot of interesting matchups. Uh, Sporting, Benfica, Porto Portimonense, uh, as well as the Champions League and Europa League. You know, some might think that we would go down a notch, but but we're actually we've actually got a lot of stuff to talk about. Specifically, we have a lot of stuff to talk about with regards to managers. Okay, it seems like uh, the the biggest theme right now is managers that may be coming and going. We've seen a lot of managerial changes over the past few weeks. I know, Tiago, even your club, Benfica, some uh, disagreements as to whether or not George Jesus will remain for the full season. But just in the past few weeks, you know, we've seen João Pedro Sousa depart Boavista for a lucrative offer in the Middle East. Okay? We've seen, uh, with regards to Marichmo in Madeira, we've seen Julio Velasquez depart and uh, Vasco Siabra coming in as manager. Santa Clara looks like they are actually going to go with their third manager um, of this season. So originally it was Daniel Ramos who had guided them to their first ever European qualification. Uh, he departed as well in the Middle East and uh, was replaced by Nuno Campos. Nuno Campos, after uh, three victories, one High and five defeats is now out uh, of, of, of the command at Santa Clara. So I believe this was uh, his first job as, um, as a head coach. Um, and he had previously served as Paulo Fonseca's assistant. So a lot of stuff to discuss. I do want to uh, talk a little bit about Santa Clara, though, because this is a team I, I was watching their game against Marichimo. And uh, let's not forget, this is a team that finished sixth in the league last season. That was, you know, gradually building up to something special and ended up selling Carlos Jr. Uh, to a, another Middle Eastern club, selling uh, Fabio Cardoso to Porto, nearly sold Tidamasa Morita to Fenerbahce, and are now 16th in the league. 16th in the league. But keynote, keynote here is Murrench and Belenetsad both have a game in hand. Both of them can leapfrog Santa Clara uh, in the league with a win, and Santa Clara would, would theoretically be bottom of the league, losing 4-1 to Marichimo. So yeah. before we get into to Marichimo and, and how things are going at the Funchal, let's talk a little bit about this Santa Clara side. You know, there, there are some talents here. I, I pointed out a Pisan on the last episode of the Quartalinas podcast, You've also got like Sofita Masamorita and Lincoln, but things are not going very well 
for Santa Clara and, and Nuno Campos has paid the price. Uh, what are what is your what is your take of the Santa Clara team? How 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 do we turn things around in the Azores? And who do you think should be the next coach of the Azorianos? Yeah, I think Santa Clara is is um, is a typical example of the Portuguese um, of the Portuguese reality. Uh, so you have a good season. You have good when you have a good season. You have a good coach and you have a good um, and a lot of good players. And then the next season, probably you are like Santa Clara in a in a playoff to go to a. Um, uh, uh, with a competition and you have uh, a different reality uh, everybody knows that at this level of Santa Clara level it's really different uh, playing uh, three and three days or seven and seven days uh, so and, and next to this new reality uh, of games you have your best players leaving you have your coach probably also leaving uh, so Normally, a, a, a small team in Portugal or a medium team in Portugal that do a, a good season, uh, the next season is struggling to stay in the first league. This is, uh, <laughs> this is usual in Portugal. It's normal. Uh, I, I will argue that it should not be normal, but it is the, the way it is. So you have uh, this, these two problems. You have a lot of games. You have uh, um, a lot of Key players leaving, and you're probably your coach too. And all this together always uh, goes to uh, in the next season. You are struggling to stay in, in, the, in the top in the top flight. Um, so Santa Clara is, is really struggling. Uh, I think the only good game they had was against Porto in the um, in the Alianza Cup in Casa de Liga, where are where they are already qualified for the um, the final four. But this is, was a game that Porto played uh, half half of the half of the game with the with the reserve team. I, I think they won against the Roca um, two two uh, two days ago, two, uh, two match days ago. But the Roca, I, I saw them yesterday against Vizel, and they really are struggling with that defense. The Roca also are are struggling, and so. For the rest of the results of Santa Clara, it's been a long, long, long uh, month since uh, I don't know since uh, probably since October. Um, how to get out of this? Um, this is going to be a, a tough, as I said, it's going to be a tough year for Santa Clara. So they will they will have a tough result, and they will have to find a team and have to find some. Uh, some way of of coming together and and to to win uh, to win points because it's not going to be an easy an easy season. Uh, so they are they have like ten points probably to to get out of the the mess of um, they have to, to make like twenty points more. So a lot of points for Santa Clara. I don't know if they can make it. Yeah, it does not look good for Santa Clara. I personally think they will be relegated at the end of the season. Uh, you know, ended a 15-year exile from the first division in 2018 under Carlos Pinto, uh, João Enriquez coming in to lead them to back-to-back 10th place finishes left in, in 2020. And then Daniel Ramos really led them to their best ever season, qualifying from for the Europa Conference League, uh, where they were beaten on aggregate by Partizan 
in, in the final round. So does not look good for them. As we've mentioned, you know, since coming up in, in, in 2018, they've really uh, been forced to sell a lot of key players, Kayo Takasrodar, Thiago Santana, to Shinzu St. Pulse in Japan, um, and Fabio Cardozo and Zaidu Sanusi both going to Porto. None more important, I would argue, than uh, losing their all-time top goals for Carlos Jr. Uh, right after the, the season ended, in fact, in, I believe, October. Yeah. So it does not look good for them. Um, I actually would not be surprised to see Joao Enriquez uh, coming back and, and trying to... to uh, to to survive the yeah, storm. Yeah, it's possible. No, obviously just just left Mordorinch. Uh, but who do you think is going to be Santa Clara's next departure? Do you think we could see another big departure coming up in January? Um, well, uh, uh, that I don't know, Zach. Um, some some key player that that they can find. You're telling me. You're asking yeah. me. Um, I don't know uh, for Santa Clara. Santa Clara, I, I really see some some problems in the defense. Uh, they, they they are suffering a lot of uh, goals, so probably uh, they will they will have to go at that zone of the field. But it's um, up to me to answer that question. Sorry, Santa Clara, though, you know, taking the lead in I believe thirty seconds into the game via Crisano, you pointed out in the last part of this podcast, uh, Marisimo getting two goals in quick getting two goals before halftime and coming up with a 4-1 win. Um, lots of highlight here, but what have you made of, of the first three games of Marichimo under Vasco Siabra? Getting a win against Vasco Siabra, a draw to Boravista, and a very impressive 4-1 victory against Santa Clara, currently ninth in the league. Uh, what have you made of, of this Marichimo side under Vasco Siabra? Yeah, it's it's still early in the in in, in this reign of the Vasco Diabra, but uh, I have to say it's been great. <laughs> so seven points in three games, it's it's perfect. Um, this this is the Maritim that uh, we are used to. Maritim plays normally very uh, tough uh, games in 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 Funchal where they where they made make a, a lot of points. <laughs> Um, and this result of Vasco have uh, been great. They, they're playing good. Uh, to draw in Bovista, it's, it's a, a good result. Uh, Bovista made a, a good game. Um, now in uh, Stadios Alvalade, so they have a good a good team. And the two wins in um, in Madeira are, are clearly uh, the the Maritimo style. They they like to, to be a, a tough tough. Uh, team in in Funchal and they are able to do so. Seven points in three games. They had seven points in the last. Uh, I'm counting here in the last. I don't know ten games. They they had also seven points. So so being perfect. And then and a reminder that sometimes uh, the change of a coach it's 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 uh, the easy way out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Marichimo currently ninth in the league. Jill sent six points ahead of them uh, with 20 points in eighth place. Jill Vicent uh, coming up with a literally a last second winner uh, in the dying seconds of their match from Antoine Leute uh, to defeat Passos de Fajera. Passos, some forget, they finished fifth in the league last season under yeah. uh, 
obviously losing uh, their manager, Pepa to Vitori de Gimaraes, is a massive blow for them. But in general, you know, unlike Santa Clara, who also finished in European positions, Passos were, were able to keep uh, the majority of their, of their players uh, from, from that team. I think the only starter, if I'm not mistaken, the only starter uh, who left Passos was uh, Bruno Costa going, departing his, from his loan and going to Porto. Um, apart from that, I'm, I'm not sure what other players they, if, if they lost any other starters. Um, or Douglas Tonk, of course, they're yeah, Douglas uh, Tunk, talks yeah. where they lost him, as yeah. well as Luther Song, Luther Singh. Um, so, yeah, fair enough. Luther but, but Singh, yeah, Luther, was just playing some, some good football. And, um, he was also, also on the uh, so. also Estakio. No, Estakio right. is still playing in... in I've told Estakio. So, um, in general, I think that, yes, losing some, some players, some big players, but, but I think... Doing enough to to keep hold of of the majority of of that spine, and yet in a very poor season for Pasos Chapeira, very poor month, shall we say, (laughs) losing to Sporting, uh, losing to Benfica in the Taça de Portugal, and then three straight losses to Marichmo, Vitória de Guimarães, and now Gil Vicente. So uh, the Beavers are currently 14th in the league, uh, albeit just two points away from relegation, uh, one point away from the relegation playoff spots. And it does look like George Simao, who was brought in to replace Peppa, um, is on his way out. And in fact, that has been another, a, a manager, ma- managerial merry-go-round in of itself. You know, we're talking a lot about managers, but the Passos job has been kind of uh, pretty, pretty crazy. There were some rumors that Ricardo Sapinto, former uh, sporting manager, was was set to take um, take the position. Now it seems like there's no agreement. Uh, they turned their eye to Cesar Peixoto, and yet uh, that also it seemed like that also broke down, according to the reliable Pedro Sepulveda. Um, really not sure who is going to be Osos' manager for their upcoming match against Tondela. Joao Pedro Sousa has also been mentioned, uh, you know, who, who left his job at Boavista. And yet, um, it, it, interesting, just a little detour with regards to João Pedro Sousa. He left his job at Boavista after receiving an, uh, I believe he called it an, an unrejectable, a uh, irrefusable offer from the Middle East. And yet, 11 days later, João Pedro Sousa still has not been uh, announced as the manager of Valorayed, so not really sure. Not really sure what's what's going on with with that. Um, but but actually, the the manager of that club, um, Paulo Machine, former sporting manager, has has not accepted the terms of his contract rescission and uh, the 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 championship. The the Arabic championship has actually been. Put on pause. Um, the last game, I believe, was November 25th, and the next one will be on December 20th. So, kind of a, a purgatory there. But it, it is interesting because there's a potential for well, maybe João Pedro decides he's had enough waiting. He wants to go back to Portugal, accept a job like Passos. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. 
But uh, with regards to Passos, what do you think has gone wrong for them so far uh, to, to go from fifth in the league to currently 14th in fighting relegation? Yeah, tough, tough to answer. The Passos had, has a, a better team than this position. Uh, they, they really struggle uh, since, uh, since October and, and they have like one win uh, in the Tasso Portugal uh, since late um, late uh, August. So this is really a, a bad place for Passos Ferreira. Um, they don't concede a lot of goals, as you said, against Gil Vicente, uh, a little bit of unlucky because the last, the last minute goal is always uh, a, a tough, tough one to to get. So uh, against Guimarães in the, in the, the rounds uh, before this loss against Gil Vicente, and again, a, a goal at the, at, at the stoppage time. Um, and, and in this phase, they, they went to Alvalade. Uh, of course, it was not expected they to, to win there. So uh, I think Pastor Ferreira um, uh, will will eventually uh, will eventually get saved because, as you say, they have a good team, and the team was was working last year. Uh, but maybe a bit of unluck in these two last rounds and. Uh, and, and the calendar, they, they play Porto, they play Benfica, they play Dade Sporting, also Braga um, in these last uh, two months. So it's normal that they are struggling, but I, but I won't bet that um, that the Pazzo is going down. Uh, I think they, they, will stay, uh, they will stay in the league. They have a, a good team. Uh, probably just a face for Pazzo Ferreira. Yeah, I agree. I think they have enough in the tank to just barely stay up. But um, another another team who I think has had a similar season, going from seventh in the league to currently in the relegation zone, seventeenth uh, place with nine games from their first from their first thirteen matches is Lurich. Lurich uh, losing one nothing to Portimonich in their first match under new manager Lito Vidigal, um, Ailton Boamort getting getting Portimonech the winner late on. So Portimonech continuing their fantastic form uh, under Paulo Sergio. Morench, on the other hand, having another difficult result uh, to take, going up against Boavista uh, in the weekend. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. What have you made of this Morench team? And uh, what are your thoughts on the Lito Vidigal appointment? I know that's caused a lot of, shall we say, controversy in Portuguese circles who liked Morenge to go with another club. Uh, there is a lot of talent, I think, in this team. You've got the likes of Felipe Pires, uh, Ibrahima Camara, Felipe Suarez, um, Abdu Conte. I, I think that they should definitely be doing at least mid-table, and yet currently fighting relegation. So, so the, the president of Moreirense, uh, I don't know, maybe panicked a little, um, choosing Lito Vidigal because we all know the, the style that Lito Vidigal likes, and it's uh, it's as as fair as any other style. So this is the the way that this coach sees the game, and he has all the uh, for me uh, has all the the um, uh, so 
he can he can make this pass if he chooses. Uh, but as you say, maybe a little bit strange because you can see here plays that that could play some some football that normally the teams of Vito Vidigal uh, does not play. Uh, I see a, a good defensive side, so then maybe the uh, good defensive players with experience. Uh, Abdul Conte last year uh, was one of the players that I enjoyed more. Uh, and you have uh, and you have Steven Vittori, of course, and uh, uh, Flim Pong. So um, maybe the the president looked at this this squad and and, and saw that the the best way to get some points was focused on defense and and Lico Vidigal is it's perfect is perfect for this. Um, uh, but as you said, I see I see here a lot of talent. Uh, I won't get surprised if Morenas can, can can get out of here. Uh, for me, the two the two worst teams uh, are, are Santa Clara and and, and Besal. Uh, so these two, I think, uh, probably will will get uh, get the, the two bottom spot and and then will be a, a fight to, to see who goes to the to the playoff uh, between these teams that we are talking about. Um, Amalical, Morenes, Pasteira, Aroca. I see Aroca falling. They they had a good run in the in the the first in the first uh, a few games, but but now they they are struggling defense. Last game, last game was pathetic, pathetic against Vizela. They they suffer like three game three goals that mm, <laughs> you don't see this in uh, professional football. It was awful, an awful night for Aroca. Uh, but yeah, Morenes, I think uh, probably. Um, we'll start stacking uh, some points and get out of this this situation. I, I see some talent in the in this this squad. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Santa Clara are in the relegation playoff spot. Morenich, Morenich, uh are seventeenth. Besad are bottom with eight points and uh, failing to. Um, respond after that, you know, humiliating, embarrassing uh, defeat to Benfica and losing one nothing to Storiel Praia. Um, not a terrible result, I would say, but at the end of the day, they, they need a point, or at least three points. And I think that Storiel, uh, you know, obviously continuing their good run of form under Bruno Pinheiro, pretty one-sided team. Zero shots on target for Belenenstad. Seven shots on target for Estoril, 21 shots for Estoril, seven shots for B-side. And Estoril, once again, continuing their fine form uh, under Bruno Pinheiro, the newly promoted team, currently sit fifth in the league. 24 points from 14 games. Uh, that's absolutely phenomenal from their standpoint. In fact, it seems like Bruno Pinheiro's uh, fantastic performances with this historical side, have actually drawn the attention of some other teams. You know, we've we've seen Besiktas, who were the champions of Turkey just just uh, a few months ago, have had a very difficult start uh, to the season under Sergen Yalsin, and which has resulted in Yalsin getting the boot just a few months after winning the title. Um, and one of the one of the coaches that has been named. Uh, that has been linked with the vacant position at Besiktas, who currently sits seventh in the Super League, uh, is Bruno Pinheiro. Some other names, such as Senol Gones, the former uh, Turkey manager. But Bruno Pinheiro, another interesting name, uh, 
uh, especially given the amount of Portuguese coaches and Portuguese players that we've seen uh, make the move to Turkey over the past few months. Just talk to us a little bit about Bruno Pinheiro's style as a coach. What do you think makes his What do you think makes this Schlodial team so successful? And do you think he'd be a good option for, uh, shall we say, a, a Champions League team such as Besiktas? Yeah, for that I think it's it's still early. Um, he's doing a great job in Surreal. <laughs> they are the, the the most surprising team in in, in this edition of um, of Liga Bilwin. Uh, they have one loss against Sporting and another against Braga, so results completely normal and no other loss. Um, and and I think uh, what what I what I would say about Surreal is is people have to understand that these medium clubs and small clubs has, have struggled a lot last year. People have to understand that this is not a normal year for these teams. They are uh, coming back from a year with uh, zero money made, uh, a lot of uncertainty, players that didn't know uh, if they're going to play off in Portugal. Um, so this is really... a uh, um year difficult for the um, the the small teams in, in in this championship and you can see this with the di- difference uh for the um, three big clubs uh, that i think this year are is, is even even bigger than in other uh years uh, because of that so the job of really it's, it's perfect they are like one point from Braga and they have one less than Portimonense that obviously is another different project and does not uh, go in this reality of the small uh, club life Portimonense has a solid project and there was a lot of powerful people behind and uh, so really is the only only small team that is able to be competitive this year and I think that tells a lot about this coach and then about the club, uh, I will. I I I have to get my head off for for surreal. It's it's really been amazing, amazing year. Uh, but I think it's still early for for a, a jump of the coach to 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 other reality. Honestly, I think it's still early. Um, if I were him, maybe maybe end this end this season with surreal and then see what. What he can do and 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 next, but I think it's still early for that reality. You know, it, it's Estoril have had I think some similarities with Famalicao just two seasons prior. Uh, Famalicao yes. obviously getting to the Primera, ending a twenty-year wait, I believe, and uh, and and chasing European football until the final day of the season, where, where they ended up uh, ended up drawing to Maritimo and losing out on the Europe League spot to QF. Um, Famalicao, though, should, you know, with the quality of their squad, I think should be chasing uh, top seven, top six, and yet currently 15th in the league. Uh, level on points with Santa Clara, one point ahead of Modric and two points ahead of Belenic Uh Another very disappointing result from them losing 4-1 to Benfica, perhaps not as disappointing as their previous two losses uh, to Gil Vicente and Poitimarans, considering the fact that you know, this is a team that just qualified for the Champions League round of 16. However, three games, uh, 11 goals conceded, one goal scored. 
And this was coming off a, you know, a, a, a run of form where I, I thought that Malika would be able to turn it around, uh, defeating Boavista 5-2, defeating Alverca in the cup. But it does seem like there's no end in sight uh, for, for Malika's struggles. They have a chance to turn things around um, on Friday, I believe, uh, when they take on Historio Praia. So interesting how, how the parallels are, are happening between between the two. Uh, and that is an absolutely massive game, an absolutely massive game for Ivo Vieira's side. Uh, they are going to, after that game, they're going to take on Portimonech in the Tassa de Portugal. Portimonech obviously defeating them 3-0 uh, on November 27th, then facing off against Pisad on uh, December 29th uh, before before going up against Boraga. So I think a lot of potential for Ivo Vieira to be the next managerial casualty. It does seem like managers um, are kind of dropping like flies at this rate. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's so strange to me because, you know, obviously we talk a lot about, about Famalicao and especially after that dream return to the top flight, you know, losing all those key players such as Pedro Gonçalves, Uros Rasic, uh, you know, lost, I think, just a, a, a few players this past summer with Manuel Ugart and, uh, and Ruben Vinagre. But with that being said, still brought in some, some promising players such as Pedro Brazao and Charles Pickle, Simon Banza, who's been one of their better players so far. Um, it, it just seems a bit strange that they are in this position. But I don't know, how, how, would, you, how would you diagnose Amalikawa's struggles so far. What do you think Evo Vieta does? What do you think Evo Vieta needs to do in order to turn things around at Villanova to focus Amalikawa? Because it does seem like time is running out for Evo. You know, he turned things around. He, he took over in, in March last season when, when the club was bottom of the league and, and managed to get them in the top half with a very strong end to the season. Uh, right now, though, it does seem like the, the signs are pointing to a mid-season dismissal for Ivo Vieira, unless he can turn things around very quickly. Yeah, this is a coach that I like. I personally like. He's one of my favorite coaches of, of this this um, uh, from from the small club. So um, I, I would say that Fomalicão has has a, a big problem in his defense, a big problem. Because if you if you if you see Fomalicão can score. They they are now in this three last round. It was only one goal, and okay, it was it was uh, a, a bad a bad month for them. But um, I, I really don't think the problem is from offense, and you you saw them create a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities against Benfica. Um, but the defense against Benfica was was awful. Uh, I really think it was uh, really easy for Benfica to 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 break that. That um, that defense, so Oliveira has has to improve a lot uh, in this defense. But I think he, he will he will make it now. As you say, it has he has a this important game against Real. If he loses, he's gonna be he's gonna be tough for him to to stay. Uh, but then the next game is against Benzad, and I think he can win. So probably if he can draw against Real and then a win against Bolnes, then and then and he, he can. I think we'll maintain the um, the the spot, but with a, with a mindset on this on this defense because it's, it's, it's really poor, as you said, the three games. 
12 goals <laughs> against it's, it's awful and we saw it against Benfica it's it's an awful defense um, in the moment so they, they have to improve a lot but as, as you said Famalicão has a project that that I I'm surprised they 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 are in this position I would expect a lot of more um let, let, let's see this this next um, this next week uh, as we say against Turil, uh what can he do uh, but I'm surprised uh, with his problems and Somalia and their their lack of competitiveness no I, I completely agree with you I think that honestly um, you know it, I, I respect Somalia's style of trying to develop young players and and, mm-hmm. and bring them in but yeah. Right now, I, I do think that the problem is in the defense. You know, Luis Jr. in goal has been disappointing, I think, after after a promising last season, you know, 20 years old. Uh, Alexander Panetta, 20 years old, playing alongside Riccelli, 23 years old. Uh, also seen likes of Alex Nascimento, um, 22 years old, and uh, Dylan Pabutinska, another young Belgian defender. It's interesting, though. I mean, they did try to, they did bring in Bruno Alves uh, in the summer. Yes. Who only lasted a few, a few weeks because you know Bruno Alves is going to Bruno Alves. <laughs> but I, I do think that they they need to strike a balance, you know. And I'm not I'm not going to say that Bruno Alves is the is the reason is is the difference between uh, getting relegated. And you know, chasing Europa, but I do feel like, you know, okay, last last January they brought in two very promising young players, Ruben Vinagre and Manuel Garte, who helped turn their season around. This January, I personally think they need some more experience, especially in the back line. And if that means that a young player like Alexander Panetta or Alex Nascimento is going to have to sit on the bench, then so be it. You know. I don't want to scapegoat them, but I do think that they need to learn a lot. Um, and, and that's that's the issue, I think, with, with young goalkeepers and young center backs. I think that's probably the biggest reason why, you know, we typically don't see that much uh, in the way of, you know, especially as, that's why you'll see a lot of teams that are fighting relegation going with more like firefighters, right? More, more veterans. Um, and and youngsters and and I think personally I think that's what they need maybe not not to start over them always but just to compete to give them a you know a kick up the rump and 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 to get them uh, to get their heads in the game because right now I, I honestly think that this back four is is the biggest reason why Fama are, are doing so poorly um, the rest of the team needs to take accountability yes but it, with that being said. Uh, looking very shaky. Just real quick before we move on to another game, um, Darwin Nunes grabbing a hat trick for Benfica um, in this 4-1 win. Um, Darwin, you know, riding the bench in, in Benfica's crucial match against Dynamo Kiev, coming off the bench. Um, but what, what have you made of Darwin this season? Do you think that he's... Uh, what What is your... What is your opinion of his ceiling? What do you think he needs to work on to reach the next level? I know that he's kind of a controversial figure amongst a lot of Benfica fans, but what is your take of it? 
Yeah, so uh, Darwin, um, I think it's, he's improving. Um, it was a bit unfair for him because obviously he was not prepared for um, a first higher division last year. He was not uh, even in his last club uh, before he came to Benfica. He had a lot of uh, uh, goals missed and he was not confident enough. Uh, but okay, Benfica saw potential. Uh, spent a lot of money, and I think this this was uh, bad for him. And and this first season of him was was uh, clear, clearly uh, to to get get uh, um, fit for 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 a club like Benfica. And he done, he he have, he have done that with the help of George Jesus. That clearly uh, bets in him uh, because George Jesus when normally doesn't bet in a in a young player like this, but Darwin has has the, the the confidence of the coach, and and now he he is beginning to to show some work and some coach work on on him also. I see a lot of uh, I see him less stressed in the game, more smiles, uh, uh, more confident, and this uh, and when you achieve this uh, this level. With the talent that he has, because he has, uh, of course, he has some problems um, with, um, with with some control of the ball that it's uh, not perfect. Uh, he has to improve that. But uh, in this style of game that Malikon was not able to to uh, to um, contradict Benfica, uh, Darwin is is perfect and. Uh, when he, when I think when the first ball uh, enters, Darwin, it's like he breathes out, and you have to expect a good game from him because uh, when that first ball goes in, Darwin, it's it's uh, then it's it's perfect for him this time of of, of game. So is is uh, 19, 19 games, fourteen goals. <laughs> uh, you don't you don't get uh, much much better than that. He's been great. Um, I think he has to, to improve a lot yet, uh, clearly. But he clearly is a player, one of two of Benfica that is in the right uh, direction. Uh, I don't see a lot of uh, players um, that with uh, George Jesus um, are getting better. But Darren Nunes is clearly an exception. He's, he's getting better. Uh, top four of the of the of Liga. Um, he's been great. It's been great. I, I hope to see more of that. Yeah, and another impressive game from Darwin. Like I said, though, I, I do think Malikau really need to um, to to bring in some experience in that defense. We've we've seen that with, with other teams as well. Eduardo Quaresma. It's funny. I, I remember after the Sporting Ajax match, the first the first match between them after Sporting won, I think five one. I remember going on to a Twitter spaces of sporting fans and they were saying that uh, the, the basically saying that, Oh, we should have never loaned out Eduardo Quaresma. You know, he's a better option than Suhair Fidal, Luis Neto, all these guys. Um, Eduardo <laughs> Quaresma, you know, still, still very young, but not having a great time at Tortella. He has not been very good. Um, and, you know, hasn't even been a consistent starter for them, but started against Vitoria de Guimarães and uh, gave a pretty poor display as as Vitoria came back and won five to two. 
So, but it's my coming off of the 56 minutes. And um, after that, we saw Marcus Edwards grab two goals. Well, as a final goal from Ruben Lameiras. Um, so, Vitoria, you know, only seventh in the league. So, not not um, an amazing start, like I would say for Estoril, but a pretty strong form. I mean, if we take away... We take away the, the the games that they've played against the big three. They've beaten Tondela. They've beaten Paso Sucreira. They've beaten Morenche in the league. Lost Morenche in the Asa Portugal. Uh, beaten Marichmo, Famalicao, and the last league game that they failed to pick up three points against a non-big three team. I was actually on September twenty. Uh, 20- Eight, I believe September eighteenth. Excuse me, against Aruca, against Aruca. Yeah. yeah, and that was so, yeah. <laughs> not too shabby from Vitoria de Guimarães, who, who who took a five-two win against Tondela. Does seem like we are starting to see some some interesting facets of the Pepa side that worked magic at Passos de Pereira. But I, I do want to, uh, I, I do want to. Put a special focus out for Marcus Edwards, who uh, picked up a brace at another very good game. Um, Marcus Edwards, I think the, the biggest criticism of him has been his lack of consistency. But I do feel like he's been he's been adding a lot of consistency to his game as well as threat in goal. You know, not just these fancy dribbles and and great passes, but but really stepping up and and delivering in the final third this season. Uh, bagged a brace against Tondela. Previous game got an assist against Passos. Previous game got a uh, penalty goal against Porto. So, you know, I, I, he really is doing quite well. Um, I'm curious, what are, what, is your, what are your thoughts of Marcus Edwards? Do you think he's ready to make the step up to potentially a Premier League side? Yes, yes, I think he is. I was surprised last year that nobody paid the Guimarães some money to... <laughs> To get uh, Edwards in, in his body, it's, it's perfect. He has the magic uh, in his feet. He's uh, a player that that with a with a, a more offensive team can can even a, a game like that just in two seconds. I really like him, and since the last season, uh, yeah, he has some some work to do with that consistency and uh, don't don't get uh, don't. Don't get in low. Um, don't uh, go away from the games uh, that much as as he, he done last season. But this season he has been more consistent. Pepe is the the perfect coach for him. Pepe likes like a football team that uh, he, he attacks, and so this is perfect for Edwards. And maybe also last season he didn't get that much chance because obviously when you get Quaresma, you have to play Quaresma, but now this season Quaresma is more on uh, a secondary role because of his, his age. Uh, so Marcus Edwards is clearly one of the, the most exciting players uh, in, in Liga for me. Um, I like this Vitoria side. Um, it, it's funny because if you if, if you know this, this club well, they always want this from this team. They they want their first of all they don't want the results uh as stupid and as this can can sound they they want to they want to go to a good show you, you see this uh, as none other and uh, non non big team 
as in uh, Vitória, the fans want to, the team to play good. This is a problem because of what? The team are not ready to play against the three big. And they always lose. Uh, and this is are also points, right? <laughs> you have nine points for, for, for each, each round of the, of the season. So, um, Guimarães very strong against um, against small teams, so they have this identity. And Pepe is perfect for them. They want to play good. They want to win these games. But at the same time, Vitória are never able to get the plan B for the big matches against uh, against Porto and and Benfica and Sport. So, um, and, and I think this this is um, the next step for them to really. Um, Be, be clearly the fourth go go fight with with Braga for the the fourth place and when one of the the big three are having a a, a bad year uh, get that third place that Victoria Victoria wants um, but it's it's an interesting club of that because of that uh, I know a lot of people there and they they're always uh, telling me this and here in Victoria we want the first of all we want the team to play good football. Uh, the result will, will come after that. But first of all, the team has to play good football. Interesting, interesting you mentioned you know, Vitória de Guimarães. I would say they probably have the biggest fan base in Portugal outside of the big three. Uh, arguably the second biggest fan base is Boavista, who faced off against Sporting at the weekend. Boavista, of course, with their new manager, Petit taking over from João Pedro Sousa um, and, and Petit, obviously former Belenenchasad manager uh, in, his, in his first match in charge, we saw Boavista going up against uh, Marichimo, another fairly new manager in Vasco Siabra, and uh, going up early on from Pitar Musa and yet uh, conceding a last second equalizer from Henrique. Uh, to, to share the spoils with Marichimo. Following match, faced off against a sporting side who obviously are flying in the league. Yes, they yeah. did lose a, dare, a dead rubber to Ajax in the final Champions League match day, but have been phenomenal. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time they lost or if they failed to pick up um, three points in the league. And they've been pretty much automatic despite some big losses in terms of injuries and suspensions. Uh, they faced off against Boavista with um, João Paulinha once again missing out due to injury. And the Nunes starting in his place. I mean, Manuel Ugarte, excuse me. Manuel Ugarte starting yes, Ugarte, alongside yes. Mateus Nunes in midfield. Flavio Nazinho picking up, I believe, his first start for, for Sporting, playing in that left wing back spot, uh, 18 years old. Potentially another Nuno Mendes case. We'll have to wait out. We'll have to wait for that one. <laughs> um, but Flavio Nazinho starting at the left wing back position, and Paulinho as well missing out due to, I believe, injury. Um, so it was Pedro Gonzalez partnering Nuno Santos and Pablo Sarabia, and Sporting picking up a two nothing victory against Boavista with goals from Sarabia and Nuno Santos. Um, overall, I actually, I actually was somewhat impressed with this performance from Boavista. I thought they did well to press high up the pitch. Um, yes, they, they were saved a lot by a fine performance in goal from Aliriza Beranvand, 
but um, I thought that there was a lot to like from this Boavista performance, and yet Sporting still finding a way to win uh, fairly comfortable, comfortably, I might add. What did you make of this performance from, from Ruben Amorim's side? Yeah, they are playing... <laughs> But but first uh, about Boavista, I, I I really liked that, that first half of Boavista. I think in the first twenty minutes, Boavista was really good. <laughs> the I, I loved the I loved the, the the goalkeeper Ali Reza. He, he's really good in controlling the the, the space in the defense and, and him. He was perfect for I, I see there some qualities for for a top a top team uh, because a lot of the, the work of the goalkeeper the top team is, is, is exactly that to, to control the um, the back of the defense and Bovista had a big chance and this is always the the problem you cannot when you are playing Alvalad in Luz and in Dragon you cannot miss a big chance like that um, and then Sporting enter in, in, in what Sporting do, do, do best I think Sporting it's the definition of playing simple but as someone said, um, the most difficult thing to do in football is play simple. But working is are really good in this. Uh, very strong defense. Um, they they uh, they do all things good. Then that line. Um, they 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 start the 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 offense. Uh, normally the the midfielders are. Uh, are not that involved in construction. You have Pedro Porra and you have the other defense um, bringing the game up. And um, what, what can I say more about Sporting? They they are the, the favorites. Um, I think they they have a a very a very uh, well trained uh, attacking mode. Um, they they are back in the in the the defense. And they do a a quick uh, a quick pass a uh, long pass at someone in the wing that guy in the wing goes like 20 meters in in speed and then he puts the, the ball in in the middle for someone to to score and you, the two two goals are I, I like this and i i've seen this play from sporting like 100 times since amorin amorin has come they 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 are really well coached um as you said, they they lost Watis and Palinga didn't matter. They went in Salidolus. Um, they lost uh, now Paulinho that was playing good. They they also did well. Now they lose to Pedro Porro. They just today we we we, knew, we the, the the news are that they, they will miss a couple of games and probably they will they will be as good as they are. Um, working are flying. They. As I, as I was telling, I was, I was telling early, uh, this this championship is not that equilibrado. Uh, um, uh, I don't know how to say it in in, in English. It's not that balanced. Uh, you have the the big teams who are going to win a lot of games, but this is going all to be decided in the big games, in the classic games. And Sporting did a, a perfect game against Benfica. <laughs> And even against Porto, they draw in Alvalade, but the first half from Sporting, they, they should have uh, been like 2-0 or 3-0, and Porto uh, was not an, will not be able to, to come back uh, with, a, with a great goal from Luis Diaz. Uh, but I see Sporting very, very prepared to win points against the Mexican Porto. They have already four, and so Sporting 
and sporting are flying. Uh, it's it's scary for a Benfica fan. We're not we're not used <laughs> because for sporting the the big trauma of sporting is Benfica. You can see it historically, and when they win like that in Benfica, you know that there are problems. Uh, there are problems ahead. Uh, maybe just to finish about sporting talk talk about Pablo Saraiva then <laughs> has been a a purchase uh, the the purchase of the of the year. I, I know he's in low one, but uh, in in a low one, but uh, he's been the best player, uh, the, the best new player in the league. Paulo Saravia has been great. Yeah, Saravia, really impressive uh, for Sporting. It is pretty insane how Paris Saint-Germain are paying the entirety of his wages. He's <laughs> Indeed. been fantastic. And this was uh, definitely, I think that, yes, Sporting fans are missing Nuno Mendes, but at the same time, to get Saravia in return, it's a pretty damn good deal. Um, so yeah, before we move into, in my opinion, the biggest game of the week, I want to touch up a little bit on this game between two newly promoted sides, Aruca and Vizela. Vizela, um, going to Estadio Municipal de Aruca and, uh, taking a four nothing lead within, within the first half via goals from two goals from Gilham Shatin, one goal from Abdullah Ba and a goal from Samu, uh, Aruka getting a consolation goal from Andre Bukia, but take uh, but Vizela leaving Aruka with a four four one victory, very impressive. Vizela still level on points, might I add, with Aruka. They do have a game in hand, but uh, neither side have been have been have been that that poor, I should say. Um, and Vizela very strong result, I think, going against a fellow promoted side. Bouncing back from that four-one loss to Braga, um, talk to me a little bit about this Vizela team under Alvaro Pacheco. Any players you think that uh, we we should be looking out for um, on on this Vizela team? Yeah, you saw what what um, what Pilate can do with uh, with some with some uh, with some space and. I, I think it's a, a tough game to talk about Vizela because Aroca was was really really <laughs> really bad. I, I invite our listeners to to see the the four goals from Vizela because there there are some goals that you don't see a lot. <laughs> some passes from the defense directly to the um, to the to the striker and it was awful. Um, so I, I would say that the, the strength of of Vizela is uh, the coach that is perfectly uh, settled with this club and this squad. Um, I, I I really think that uh, that Alvaro Pacheco is the right man for for Vizela. Is uh, for me is Vizela. I don't I don't know anyone else from Vizela besides Alvaro Pacheco. <laughs> so more, more than players, I, I think they have the perfect match. Uh, the, the coach has, is perfect for the club and he can bring everybody better. Uh, let's remind everybody that Vizela is playing in, in the um, in, in the Liga B win the first for the first time in a lot, a lot, a lot of years. So Vizela is really new for this and they are competing. They are, they are, they are well. Absolutely. Pacheco doing a fantastic job. Um, I do hope that Alex Mendez, uh, Los Angeles zone, can get some more minutes promising an American midfielder. But to wrap up, I want to I go to the biggest game of 
the week, which was Porto against Brack. So Porto, uh, Porto coming off a pretty disappointing uh, result, which which saw them uh, lose three to one to Atletico de Madrid. Um, it was a match that they should have won. Honestly, in my in my opinion, I think they did enough to get that. But um, at the end of the day, I, I think that at, at, you know sometimes the luck does not go in your favor. So Porto are going to be playing Thursday night football in spring. Unlike Benfica, unlike Sporting, um, I believe it would have been an unprecedented feat to see three Portuguese teams in the round of sixteen. So it, it is a shame, but. Uh, yeah, losing to Atletico de Madrid at the Estadio de Rigao and then taking on Braga. Taking on Braga, who have, have been fairly good and in, in, in fairly good form after a difficult start under Carlos Carvalhal. And uh, we, we saw quite a few changes to that team that, that lost to Atletico de Madrid. They needed a, they needed a point at least to, to, to go to the round of 16. They failed to do so. So we saw an, an interesting uh, starting eleven from Sergio Conceição's side, going with Wendell at left back. Uh, but but perhaps most interestingly, a four three three, four three three with Marco Grujic, Mateo Soribe, and Vitinha in midfield. Mediterrani, arguably the best striker in Portugal, getting dropped to the bench, and I would say deservedly so. He really cost Porto. Uh, the the game against Atletico with some high profile misses and uh, he's he's going to have to live with that. Uh, obviously, did come on for Evan Nielsen in the 69th minute, but a really interesting setup, I would say, from Sergio Conceição's perspective, um, going with this 4-3-3 with uh, Uribe, Grujic, and Vitinha, um, which kind of allowed them to have a numerical advantage in midfield next to Braga's double pivot of Almostrate and Andre Orta, um, seeing how basically Vitinha and Grujic tried to, off the ball, they, they tried to press Orta and Almostrate to, to prevent them from building up, holding up from back. Uribe, on the other end, was more like a free man, I would say. Uh, you know, often even slotting in as a middle center back uh, between Chelsea and Bemba and Pep. And it, it was it was a really interesting uh, game, I think, between two good managers in Sergio Conceição and Carlos Carvalhal. And uh, once again, Luis Diaz coming to the rescue, picking up a crucial goal uh, to to seal a hard fought win against Braga. Porto still top of the league, a level on points with Sporting, and four points ahead of Benfica. Talk to me about this match. That was was the big the big match, and I, I of the of this week, and I agree with you. Um, two great coaches that did homework, and Sergio uh, Conceição clearly um, changing four three three four three three because of Braga and because of the strength that he thinks that Braga has, um, and clearly uh, he, he he wanted uh, more uh, people in midfielder. Uh, position Otavio is one of the three attackers, but you know how Otavio can can do all this uh, midfielder and attacking stuff. So he, he and 
and Carlos Carvalhal learning the lesson and starting to do uh, last days of rest against the big teams. You have to change your team because uh, they, they will go by you. These are good players and you have to change your team. Um, so Braga, I think, was, was a little... Uh, was a little sad of, of this uh, calendar because of course if the game was was on Monday I think it will be different. Uh, Braga has they had one shot on on goal. I uh, had a, a a strike in the in the in the um, crossbar and and another opportunity. I remember a big opportunity for Ricardo Horta in the uh, Ricardo Horta that he doesn't usually miss in the second half. So so. This this game of Braga, I think they, they it was less fortunate of, of playing with uh, so so little time uh, to to prepare. But I, I like I, I would like more to talk about Porto. Um, I think honestly, everybody is um, talking about Benfica uh, and rightly so. But I think Porto is also a disappointment this this season, really. Uh, I think they have a good squad. Uh, Sergio Conceição maintain all all the players from yester uh, from last year. Um, a tough transition here for Sergio Conceição. I I don't really know why, but Porto is not playing football. They are they were really really um, getting results of this uh, Luis Diaz and Paremi uh, um, dupla, this duo. And now Taremi is in a, in a, um, in a with some problems of of, uh, of a, a goal scorer. The goal scorers have these phases of when they are not getting a goal. They are offensively. I only still wish a lot of good players in the midfield, but I will, I will say Vitinha and Matheus Oribe. Oribe, they are perfect. They are really good. Uh, but I, I don't see Porto that. Um, I I will say that Porto should should have. Uh, uh, now they they have to play better. Um, the, um, the, the 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 elimination of Champions League it's not normal. Um, re- they had two opportunities of um, of of getting uh, getting that uh, stamp of the last sixteen. Uh, they played against the Milan that was all all uh, focused on the derby that they against Inter that they had three days left uh, uh, after. So Porto not not normally w- w- would not uh, settle for a draw with the game that was. But I, I really think in the second half Porto lost there the, the chance of qualifying uh, and even in Anfield Road Liverpool played with some backup and Porto was not able to compete. And then you leave the <laughs> you leave the um, Athletic Madrid alive, and Athletic Madrid is this. You don't want to any team in the world. You you can be any team in the world. You don't want to be in this position in the last game with Athletic Madrid alive. They do this to you. They are a tough team, um, and Porto uh, really really struggle in the Champions League. It's not normal, and the results in Porto are, are not that good. Um, they won a game against Victoria that Victoria was uh, backing them um, with pro- backing them with problems, uh, but then uh, uh, there was a red card that basically um, settled the match. Uh, Portimonense, uh, it's, it's always a, an easy game for Porto. And then this game against Braga that was uh, with a lot of uh, backup 
uh, teams, uh, uh, players. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but Porto, oh, I, I don't want to be all negative because Porto normally has this, these phases. Uh, Porto are really good in January, February, and, and then March, uh, but they normally they don't start that good. And you can see that in the years of Sergio Consistão. So probably we will see Porto better. But right now, I will say that the, the season of Porto is a, a disappointment. Not as big as Benfica, but it's a disappointment for me. Yeah, a lot of work still to be done for Porto. Uh, and I think that missing out on the Champions League round of 16 definitely make, means that winning the league title is all the more important. Without yes. any further ado, though, thank you so much, Thiago, for coming on. It was a real pleasure to have your insight on the show. And <laughs> uh, yeah, as always, fantastic to speak with you. Thank you to everybody for, for tuning in on the Court Language podcast. And yeah, anything else you want to say, Thiago? No, thank you so much. It was, uh, was great to be here. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. <laughs> Un abrazo. Un abrazo.